Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fire Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Snodgrass, and today we are with Kevin Harvey. Uh, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, good night, wherever you guys are at. I'm super excited about this. I want to talk to you guys for just a couple minutes about some history. Uh, I'm calling from uh, the interior of Alaska, Fort Greeley, and we are constantly having conversations about our history in our department. And that brings up, um, we are a very transient department. We are a solid old school community, meaning a majority of the people have been here for years upon years. And there's many generations in this community. And so the history of this department, while we are a DOD-based department, we also serve the community through mutual aid agreements, uh, much like everybody uh, across the U.S. Um, helping where we can. One of the neat things about it is that we have a lot of people that work here that have come from uh, all across the nation and some from other countries to come work for this specific department. And in conversation in the mornings and the evenings with the fellows around the tailboard, we always have this issue of where our history come from. And then that leads into our demographic. Uh, I would say if there's a possibility for you guys out there, learn your demographic of your people, whether you are a big department, whether you're a small department, your budget is 5,000, your budget is 5 million, it's irrelevant. Learn your demographic because it's going to help you figure out where this money needs to be spent. It's going to help you figure out what training is important and it's going to figure out uh, to help you guys get this culture of the people that you want to come work for you that's going to deliver the best service for the people. Um, in Fort Greeley, we are located about 100 miles south of Fairbanks, which is about 350 miles north of our next biggest city, Anchorage. And this is a town uh, under 10,000. Uh, it is uh, hundreds of square miles spread out. It's a rural um, farming community. And this demographic that we serve, there is a uh, multicultural uh, group of people in here. And so if we go into our day keeping all these things in mind that there's going to be, you know, some random language barriers, possibly there's going to be some cultural issues that we're not used to. Uh, it helps us bring our best day forward. Uh, and of course, with everybody else, our, our best day uh, often is their worst day. This is a community that depends on the DOD department around here. Uh, the next department that they have is an all-volunteer staff. Those guys do a phenomenal job, um, but in the mornings, uh, evenings, afternoons, these guys still have to work and they turn a product out. Uh, so, so the department very often falls, um, falls second to what needs to happen in their community throughout the course of the day. They're an amazing group of guys and girls. Uh, they do a phenomenal job. There's just, like many departments across the United States, uh, volunteer staffing is down. And so we augment when we can. Um, so, that's, so that's Fort Greeley in a nutshell. We have a, our mission is a missile field as part of the um, missile defense program. So that's, it's pretty random and pretty nifty deal that we get to work around. And it certainly opened my eyes up. I've only been here about two months. And before that, I was uh, up north in the interior where I've spent close to 30 years uh, up there. So it's been pretty fantastic. So back as far as your demographic, ways you guys can get this figured out, get online. There are, um, there are some, the Census Bureau has been amazing for this. So 
Google up the Census Bureau, and then there's ways that you can figure out via your zip code, and that'll give you a phenomenal printout of what uh, what the type of people that you are going to serve. And then from there, you can see if your daily plans, your budgetary issues, if it's on par. And I'm not even talking to the command staff type of folks. I'm talking to the guys' boots on the ground. Um, and what I mean by this is, if you have been traditionally carrying a 50-foot Bangor ladder on an apparatus, but you don't have anything taller than a one-story building, let's rethink it. Push these ideas forward. Talk to your bosses. Talk to the crew chiefs, the captains. Talk to the command staff. You know, all these are great ideas. And the best thing about it is when these um, newer folks start bringing these ideas because I don't want to say we've become um, blind to some of the things that we've been doing, but we are ingrained in our history. And this history sometimes uh, doesn't evolve as fast. It uh, doesn't allow our operations to evolve as fast as the history changes. So, uh, and I would say to the company officers, keep an open mind when these guys come to you and start asking why. And if you can't give them an answer, why get back in the books, get it figured out, take a drive around double check who you serve and make sure that everything on your rigs uh, are par for the people that need it. And if it's not make the plan, that's when you involve the command staff, make the plan to change the budget, to adjust what is needed, to replace what is once been broken, but very useful. Um, so uh, build on it, be with each other on this and uh, keep asking the questions. Why, why we came from here? What did we, what was our plan? What do we used to do for this? Why don't we do this anymore? Or why are we still doing this? Uh, all great valid questions. I hope it uh, allows somebody to take a fresh look at something. Uh, it does with me. It gives me a renewed sense of, you know, pride. I'm still kind of one of those guys that gets uh, back of the hairs on his neck when the national anthem plays. And I think this is a noble serving and I, I, I like it when people ask these questions because it makes me go full circle back to uh, the question is who we serve and why we're here. Uh, you kind of alluded to the fact that uh, loosely that a system does exist on how operations can influence administrative uh, decision-making. Yeah. How, how do you, how do you develop that? How do you see the importance of that and what part, of uh, systems development does d can the boots on the ground really ask for and how does that protect them from you know making historical blunders oh my goodness we are we are going to blunder we're going to blunder on a daily basis the most important thing is how fast you can recover from that um if you don't have a rapport, a relationship, and I don't mean the typical come out of the chief's office and wipe your nose off, but if you don't have a genuine rapport and relationship with your command staff, you are doing something wrong. Large departments, I understand it's tough to be in the, in the face of everybody all the time, but be the person whose name is brought up in a good conversation instead of a bad conversation. And that will go miles when you want your ideas heard. These guys are looking and believe me, because I've sat in that seat. 
they are as lost as you are sometimes. Sometimes not. And there's some amazing guys out there. But the the standard joke is there's no chief school. Uh, and so any information brought to them in a comprehensive manner, not just in the hallway. Uh, hey, you know, we ought to get chief. We ought to get three of these. Like, Bring them a comprehensive package. Bring them an idea. Bring them some justifications because everybody has a boss. Whether you're DOD, volunteer, municipal, big city, small, everyone has a boss. And this information helps them change the pattern or change the budget or change the um, responses. Bring them the information and be, be a huge part of it. And most importantly, let them know you want in. You may not be the big decision maker. But let them know you want in on some of the decisions that finding people willing to uh, help with these projects and these decisions in the direction of the department. That's that's amazing. That's amazing when you can get somebody in on this. So be that guy, be that guy uh, that is willing to help steer the department. Maybe you just might be the guy rowing for a little while, but eventually you're going to be the guy back there that's standing on the tiller steering the department. So uh, I hope that brings it around a little. Uh, yeah, because I think that that brings up a very good topic is that in that it's important to have the system of, of how changes is made, but it's also more important to build an actual rapport with the people that are in your department or at least the zone in which you work so that you can uh, influence change if change is necessary or at least understand the process. Um, so, Kevin, you seem to be very uh, – your, your language that you speak seems to be very relationally focused. You started off about when you're in the Bay talking with the group focusing on demographics so that you are meeting the needs of the people that you serve, uh, that that should drive what we do with our time. That should drive what we do with our money. Where did that relational focus come from? I have never worked for anyone but a friend. We may not have always been friends 24 seven, but I strive to work with and for my friends. I want that relationship. I want that trust. I want that understanding. So when I bring something to the table, whether I'm pounding my fists on the desk or whether I'm just being quiet and I slip it out of the corner of my mouth, I want somebody to listen to me. It's important. I got this because I was not that guy. I was the guy for a while that dismissed what new people brought to the table. I'm ashamed of it. I have grown from it because these guys bring some amazing stuff to the table. There is no way on God's green earth that I can keep up with all the information that's out there. And to dismiss anyone bringing that to the table, that's ludicrous. That's insane. I don't even understand how people can ponder that. And so I've really strived to keep that relationship with some of these guys. It's tough sometimes. My, oh my, is it tough. But, uh, but, you know, and it's incredibly cliche, like you can learn something from everybody, but it's true. 
I hate even saying it. It's true. My ma used to say it. My grandpa said it. Uh, but, but I think you can, especially some of these guys coming down the pipe, they come with fresh ideas, fresh idea. I, they're up on technology. They're up what they, some of these, um, younger generational firefighters can do now would have taken me a week's worth of going through files. These guys see a problem. They see it differently. They're like, Oh yeah, cap, I can take care of this. No problem. Uh, and they bring you a finished product in like an hour and then I'm, I'm behind again. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's insane to me to, to dismiss some of these ideas that are coming to the table. So these guys, so the relationship is huge. So uh, you're saying that as um, somebody that's been in, been in the biz for a while, that uh, your relational focus came from uh, a blunder, a failure in, in, the type of person you are or were you relational at your peer group or your peer group above and you dismissed a certain group, but you were always relational or you think that over the course of decades that the importance of relationships has really uh, it's been confirmed. It's crossed between the second and third one. Uh, When I got promoted to a level that I, um, how do you say this? I got promoted to a level that, uh, I thought I needed to be at there. I, I felt, and I don't know if this was from, from me watching other people that came before me or whether this was just an egotistical type of attitude that I had. Uh, both are very possible. Um, I would tend to be very short when people brought stuff to me. Um, and like I, it's 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 tough to talk about because it was incredibly embarrassing now because I, I look at these people where they're at and they've done amazing things and they did amazing things because they had amazing ideas and I just wasn't savvy enough to pick up on that. In the um, yeah, but so. you got to remember, you got to remember, Kevin, we all started out crapping in our pants. <laughs> Correct. You know, it's it's just it's just bad if you still are crapping in your pants. Right. Right. (laughs) I'm I'm happy to say I've I've you know moved past, and and I believe my peers would say that as well. So that's that's always kind of the litmus test. You know, thirty years later, and that guy hasn't learned a darn thing, or thirty years later, five years later, or whatever, and this guy's still doing the same stuff he did on day one to mess up. Like I'm I'm happy to say. I feel very confident that 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 would not be said about me today. So, <laughs> right. And uh, I liked how you also listed, uh, basically refor- referring to historical slack. That as we're building our history day by day, the learning that comes from the history, there's a gap, a slack in between between those things, and uh, how you kind of address that if we are forward focused and say. How are we meeting our customers' needs today helps to maybe shorten that slack up. And uh, where did where did that mindset come from where our customers – and obviously, and, I, and I'm trying to give you the, the benefit of the doubt of, of not the mission first cliche answer, but the actual how did uh, – because we, we all come from a point where we get into the job and the cliche answer is to help people, but in actuality, we want to 
be a firefighter. We, we are self-fulfilling at our early part of the career, but, but eventually at some point, some earlier than others, they realize that the importance of serving the citizen is paramount and people do that in very different ways. Your approach is unique in the fact that I haven't heard somebody articulate right off the get-go, pull up your demographic sheets, find out what type of buildings you're in, what type of people you're in, what are the dialects you're going to encounter, what are their needs going to be based, where did that come from? So I, I had the opportunity, and this is kind of a neat deal, I had the opportunity to work for two different chiefs in the same department, but they were both spread out. One wasn't, they weren't in succession. So the interesting thing about that made me is this. One, there is a culture of hiring this type of leader because they weren't successful. One didn't learn from the other, but they shared the same vision, shared the same goal, shared the same ideal. Um, and, and so the, the latter of these two chiefs who later went on to, you know, they both went on to do just amazing things in the, in the Alaska fire service. But the latter of the two would say, Kev, do you, do you know where our commissioners live? And I would say, actually, I have no idea where our commissioners live. He's like, I need you to take these guys around, learn where the commissioners live, learn where the dignitaries live. Now this is, this was not in response to anything bad that happened. This was not in response to be able to, you know, suck up, get a little closer. This was in an idea to learn who our people are. That, that solely right there, they would see the trucks drive past their house and they would walk a little taller. Like, Oh, I've been a commissioner for this organization for years. And they, they talk, they wave to you in the grocery store, which starts the conversation. There's so many great conversations that come from just us learning where these key people were in our service area. It, it was amazing. And so now the second portion of this was if we needed something, there was already that relationship. There was already that rapport. Oh, these are my guys. This is my commissioner. These are my firefighters that we wouldn't be apprehensive or we wouldn't be um, so nervous to go and propose something to them that clearly, you know, always revolves around a little bit more cash being spent, but the apprehension wasn't there. And, um, and so with that, it, it was an education on everyone's behalf. You know, uh, we, one of our commissioners served for, I, I think the number was close to 30 years as a commissioner and was there from the day the organization started. To not pay homage to that history they were one of the people that allowed the fire truck to be parked at their house in the summertime. That's huge. That's huge. Uh, and so it gave us a sense of pride and it gave them a sense of pride even after they quit serving, which by the way, was all on a volunteer basis. So um, that, that is, especially today's, I think the, I think the statistic is you got a volunteer uh, that's good from one and a half to four years. And after that, assume that there's time to, re you're going to have to start replacing them. So uh, lifespan of volunteer, anyone hats off more than that uh, hats off to all volunteers. I just absolutely love it. Um, but the lifespan of volunteer in, or in a fire service organization is one and a half to four years. And so if you're not making a plan to replace those guys or to bring someone behind them 
or to recognize those that have stuck around, you're doing a huge disservice to your community. So. All right, good. Well, uh, the second phase of our Fire Talk podcast is yeah. al- allowing you to give a, a more bio description, introduction of yourself. So uh, we'll pause and, and we'll head into that. And then right after you're done with that, um, we're going to go into the Fire Talk five, five questions Perfect. regarding uh regarding a lot some of the stuff i think we've already covered but you know we can we can come up with new and amazing stuff uh, on it. there and uh so uh, we'll just pause for just a second and then okay we'll fire off and ladies and gentlemen we are fire talk podcast i'm your host michael snodgrass and we are continuing on with kevin harvey um Thank you. I am humbled to even be offered this opportunity. So, uh, Kevin Harvey, I've been in the fire service uh, in Alaska and around the U.S. for this. Will, this September will be my 32nd year. I have enjoyed almost every second of it. We've had a couple ups and downs, uh, but on a plus note, I remember many more ups than I do downs. So this is this is fantastic. Could have retired in September. I just feel like there's a little bit more to give. And uh, most importantly, I'm still having a good time. So I'm, I'm sticking around with that. I started at North Star Volunteer Fire Department in, uh, in the infancy of my career. I was still in high school, as a matter of fact. And it was one of the neatest things that they allowed. If you had a driver's license, you could drive the fire trucks. And I thought that was so fantastic. I had some amazing mentors in that organization. Uh, And so that is actually after that, I went into the Marine Corps and I spent five years running around with those gentlemen. Uh, I was able to work on the presidential helicopter squadron, Marine One, and I worked for Bush Sr. and President Clinton. And I had just a great time. Got done with that, came back to Alaska, started going to college at the University of Alaska Fairbanks for my fire science degree. And from there, I got hired on at North Star Fire Department after a brief internship. Um, Worked my way up to a lieutenant there. It was a very humbling experience and would do it all over again way differently. Um, And so from there, I moved to Fort Wainwright Fire Department and had a pretty fun time there for a few years, but then moved back to North Star Fire Department and worked my way into an assistant chief, a training position. Uh, That position worked as well in the, um, all aspects of the command staff during other people's absences. And then also had a chance to work in the borough emergency management division for the Fairbanks North Star Borough. So that was pretty eye-opening that I was able to to do that as well. Um, From there went back to Fort Wainwright and from Fort Wainwright. I stayed there for uh, a pretty good amount of time. And now I'm a medic at Fort Greeley Fire Department, about a hundred miles south. This is this has been an eye-opening thing. It's been a phenomenal decision. I've had a great time. This is uh, an amazing group of guys down here. Uh, I, I don't know how they do it, uh, but the yes seems to come out of people's mouth more than no. And so that, that culture is just fantastic. I love it. 
Awesome, Kevin. Well, now the Fire Talk five questions. Question number one, if you could go back and mentor a younger you, what would you say and what would you have your younger you do? I have thought about this and thought about this and the easiest thing, and it's, it's deep. It's really deep to me. If I met me years ago, I would say, hey, don't be afraid to toot your horn, but you better have the juice to back it up. And I want you to say yes to everything that comes down the pipe. And by that, I mean, I want you to say yes to be the guy to go clean the toilets. I want you to say yes to be the guy to help prep dinner. I want you to say yes to be the guy that is invited out with the senior fellas for a cigar and a cup of coffee afterwards. I don't care if you don't smoke cigars, get out there with those guys and you keep your head down and you keep pulling. You pull like an old Montana Jack mule. You just keep pulling in the harness. You come in with a good attitude and you leave with a good attitude. People are watching you make no mistake. Every second of your day, they recognize what time you get out of the rack they recognize what time you go to bed. They look at what books you carry. They look at what books you open. As they're walking behind you, they're looking what's on your phone. Please remember that. There was no phones back in the day, but, uh, but for the guys today, everybody is watching you. Uh, be, be the person that they are happy to see come through the door. Uh, you're, it's going to pay off tenfold in time. And eventually you're going to be the guy that's inviting the new guy out for a cigar, you know, or uh, on a fishing trip or something like that. And that's, that's, I can't overestimate that type of magic that happens in the firehouse. And I just want everyone to be a part of it. It's, it's amazing when it comes down your way. Very good. It comes back to the old adage, uh, better people make better firefighters. You know, that is, go that back. is so true. That is so, you know, that, so there's a book on that and we used to joke about it, but there's a book called being happy. And it's just simply that being happy. And, and the, the gist of it is be like a dog. A dog is always happy to see you. A dog forgets the downside that, you know, you may have put a whooping on a little while ago. A dog is happy to see you. Be like a dog. Be happy to get to work. Be happy when somebody comes off a of leave. Be happy, you know, when when uh, you show up at somebody's place that's having a really crummy day. Be like a dog, man. Be happy. And it will, you know, those guys will come around you. And eventually, the people that aren't happy will become happy. And, and it's, it's uh, attitudes are contagious. So catch a good one, you know. Yeah, absolutely. That reminds me of a, that reminds me of a good joke and we're probably going to edit this out. But uh, if you've never, if you've never heard this joke is uh, if you want to know who loves you more, your wife or your dog, lock them both in the trunk of your car. When you open it up, the one that's happy to see you loves you more. <laughs> Do not edit this. That's gold. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Second question, and uh, not so much focus on the failure, but second question is, what is a challenge, obstacle, failure, or feedback loop that you have experienced in your career that helped that you learned something from? What did you learn, and how are you still learning from that? This has been by far the hardest one for me to answer um, because it's 
we in the fire service we don't do failure good we don't recognize it as well as we should we uh i want to say we learn from it uh, i hope we learn from it i think it's important to learn from it but it's particularly tough for me um i think my biggest failure uh, or the challenge uh for me anyways was uh i failed to see toxic things i failed to see toxic relationships i'm not talking about husband and wife kind of stuff i'm you know i i have failed to see toxic events unfold and very often i found myself right in the middle of it and when you're done you're sitting back like holy cow i would what i've learned from is um you know, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a slow learner. Uh, and I believe that everybody should ride for the brand. I believe you should go for your department and, you know, fight for your department through thick and thin, but there are just some times when you are not a good fit and you, you got to recognize it and you got to move on. You got to go somewhere where you're a good fit. It doesn't mean that organization failed or you failed. You may have failed to recognize it. And if you ever find yourself like, wow, these last four or five years, I just haven't had a good time. My friend, you have failed to recognize it. And so it's time to do something about it. I had a friend tell me one time, he said, nothing changes until something changes. And be the guy that is willing to make a change, either in yourself, the organization, or knowing when to sever those relationships. I think it's, it's, it's valuable to you as a person. It's valuable to your family. And it's valuable to the organization. Because if you're mad all the time, you're bucking the system. Things aren't getting accomplished. And things don't get accomplished. The customer doesn't get served. And it's just a huge snowball effect. Uh, it, it's so vital that while, yes, I want everyone to ride for the brand, to you know be proud of who you work for, Stick your chest out. Look everybody square in the eye in the grocery store. Be helpful. Be kind. But if this is not able to happen, be able to recognize it and move on to somewhere where you can do some great things. That is good. You know, it is hard to change. It is hard to move. It is hard to go to the unknown. It's scary. Uh, yeah, it is. It's very scary. And I, I love the. Jordan Peterson talks about uh, stop trying to not be afraid and become more brave, brave. Sure. And, uh, and that's, that's one of those things where you're encouraging people to transition from even one attitude to another attitude. Take, don't be afraid. Let's, let's be brave and say, what if we were to venture forward in a positive way? What if we were to change our mission focus? What if we were to invest in, recruitment or whatever the case might be sometimes those things are people are immediately met with negativity out of fear and not met with uh saying yes uh with the idea that yeah we can if we're gonna blunder but we can move forward we can be successful in that so uh great amazing uh i had an amazing academy student one time and she was a rock star in every sense of it she had the heart 
She had the physical stamina. She had the attitude. She was a rock star. It was such a pleasure to have her in the academy. But then the day the live burns happened, she walked out and she walked up to a few of us, the cadre of instructors, and she said, guys, I'm sorry you wasted your time. I cannot do this. I do not want to do this. I don't know how you guys do this. I'm out. And we said, well, hold hold on. Just take a couple days and chew on it. We're not accepting no today. I'll accept no in a few days. And so she came back in a few days. She said, I just don't think I have what it takes. And she was focused on herself failing this aspect. And I pulled her aside and I said, I am so excited that you found this out about yourself. This is a calling. It is a calling for a select few. And if this is not something that you are in 150%, I applaud you so much for deciding this early on, rather than be the person that always holds back, always the last to get on the truck, always the last to show up to work. They walk in right at shift change. It, it said mountains about her deciding that this wasn't her path. And so then, of course, guess what we all did? We bent over backwards to help her find her path. And now, uh, now she's still in public service, and she's in a lead role position, a great coach, teacher, mentor to people, and is doing amazing things, has an amazing family life, has amazing children. Like it, All aspects of it are great because I believe she made that decision that day that this wasn't in her cards. And it, it's huge. A hundred percent. And so bringing off of that successful story, let's go to the third question, which is uh, what is a success that you've experienced and how did that shape you and how are you growing from that success? This was the easiest one for me at all. So I have always tried to involve those around me in my lifestyle. And the fire service is a lifestyle. It's a calling. It's uh, so my current wife, she is amazing. She's fantastic. And so my success story is one, just finding her. But the, the second portion of this is involving her in this career field for her. Uh, Fairbanks did a conference, a firefighter conference uh, a few years ago. We're set to have another conference up and all are invited, by the way. Um, but my wife and I taught a class in the conference called married to the fire service. And she spoke from her position on being a spouse uh, of a firefighter. And I spoke from my position as being the one going to work uh, and what I do and don't bring home. And it was a phenomenal, um, it was a phenomenal, for lack of a better term, a marriage of, of two different viewpoints. And the neatest thing about in there was we had spouses, we had um, command staff, we had uh, outside sales, sales personnel, we had brand new firefighters that are getting married, and we had fiancés in there. It was phenomenal. It was such a cool group. Uh, so that was for sure my success from it. And I tell people all the time, uh, it breaks my heart when, when I hear guys say, well, my wife has no idea what I do. Like, man, are we doing as an organization? The first question is, are we doing what we everything we can to get our spouses, our kids, our parents? Uh, are we doing everything we can to make them understand what we do? Which goes back to 
you know, are you having it's and it's corny and this last year's been screwed up for everybody. I understand, but are they involved in your open house? Do they even attend your open house? Do you invite them to your open house? We're talking about doing a spouse's day, which at any level, what do you want to learn about us? You know, play with the tools, play with the hose, go for a ride. There's so many hurdles to get through with this. And I do understand that. But just have the conversation. Invite them. Have dinner with them. Get them out to the firehouse as soon as this world opens back up. And we're close, folks. We are close. But get them back out to the firehouse. Uh, you know, get them a department T-shirt. Just super small things. Uh, goes such a long way. But without a doubt, my relationship with the fire service and my wife has been my greatest success story. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of the spousal focused uh, in, intentionality of conferences, classes, uh, especially com company officer development, I think is huge in if if you had your first few years of not including your uh, spouse, now that you're a fire officer or developing to be a fire officer, you need to be aware that uh, as you begin to lead people, one of the things that's going to be a, possibly a chink in your armor or the greatest amount of armor that you have is your relationship with your family, your spouse, and your kids if you have them. And uh, we've just seen that in my career of 30 years. I've seen that over and over again. When my wife felt disconnected with my other family, there was, there was tension. And so absolutely there's tension. Yeah. You yeah. cannot do this alone. If you are not alone, you, we need people. We need that connection. We need that, you know, emotional and spiritual and physical connection. There's, there's a reason that the fellas play grab ass, you know, uh, there's a reason that sometimes companies will break off and, and hit a church service. I mean, we need all of that combined i don't think you can do any one without the other and you got to involve the families and uh these, these kids love it the spouses love it believe it or not they are proud of us <laughs> they they think we are noble and i believe we're noble and just allowing them that opportunity to see our level of nobility is is a rare thing in uh in uh, the job field. I don't know if oil, oil well guys or, uh, you know, guys bring their families out, you know, but we have that opportunity. And I just think it builds a stronger organization when you involve them. A hundred percent. And you know, the six, that pattern, the first time I saw that pattern was not in the fire service. It was at the, we, at the lineman rodeo that we hold. Oh, yeah that we hold in our community of Gresham. There's a, the power poles are up there. The lineman training center is there. And so they come out and do the lineman rodeo. And yes, the linemen are doing their thing, but at the, the community that is there watching them are the families of the linemen. And, uh, and I think that's super important to continue to develop that. It's like a simple thing. I always I learned this from uh, Laguna Beach Fire, where they include their entire community. But seeing as how we're predominantly a male-dominated 
profession, not necessarily because we don't hire females, but because it tends to be more acceptable to males to, for them personally to, to be firefighters. And, uh, but Laguna beach had a great and still does a great job who should have access to, uh, breast cancer t-shirts, the beyond the firefighters that are wearing a specific shirt to highlight that should we not include the spouses should we not oh include the gosh, yeah. Sh- yeah should we not include the community how does every which are predominantly female how does every female spouse not get a fire department right. breast cancer awareness t-shirt right yeah and oh, absolutely. 100% uh, and sure. uh, so I, I, and we don't do that in my community. I just, I've brought it up. I've I always get buried in my own success and failures. And so it's just like, well, somebody take this project on. It's a great project. I'll hand it to anybody. Just, just make it happen. And uh, so that's, yeah, that's awesome. dollar idea giveaway. <laughs> uh, I, and that's what I always tell people. I said, obviously you can't buy people's time, but I'm like, but I can give you, I can get my, composition notebooks out and i have idea after idea after idea after idea of how you can serve the community how you can serve the department how you can do something meaningful with your life and uh and you don't have to choose the idea that i want you to do you can choose any of them i'll give them away for free i just don't have the hours to spend on developing them so uh busy people i've been a I've been go a strong ahead. proponent to go to a 31 hour day, but it, it's not catching on. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, uh, it's uh not catching on. <laughs> the, uh, uh, there's a story. It's funny that you mentioned that because one of the guy that's we've worked together for my entire career, he's, uh, my current driver and, and he allows me to sit in the right seat and, and read the map to him, you know? And, uh, but he's also in the video production industry and he is in the beginning stages of writing a screenplay or a script on uh, a guy creates a device that allows him to take six hours of somebody else that voluntarily wears a device. So the, they get a thir- they get a 30 hour day and the other person gets an 18 hour day. I want and- in. Yeah, and I'm sitting there going, oh, and and he has kind of all these ideas, and I'm like, oh, sign me up, because I have lived that premise so much where I'm like, oh, man, I have got to get some sleep. I just I just need to finish this X, Y, and Z. So, well, uh, the next question is, I'm, busy people continue to be busy. Kevin, what projects are you working on? What what are you developing right now? So I just, uh, on a on a educational level i just finished up my officer three and four credentials uh i am working uh through my application through the cpse to become a credentialed fire officer Uh, so that's um uh, not a simple task Um, but personally i'm going to start my private pilot's license this summer and i am going to work on my instructor three so I, I, I want to stay relevant and there's so much has changed from when I took my first few instructor courses that I need to get back in there and learn newer stuff. Uh, 
and then I'm going to finish up my degree. So uh, those are those are like the actual person, the, the paperwork things I'm working on. But right now I'm building a cabin in the middle of nowhere. Uh, just to get there, you leave Fairbanks. It's 150 mile drive. And then it's a 25 mile boat ride on the Tanana River. And I'm constructing a cabin that hopefully everybody that comes after me uh, will be able to use for years upon years upon years. And so that has been a humbling thing. I personally carried every log for this cabin on my shoulder seven times, every single log. So, <laughs> yeah, well, Anyways, I mean, that, that those are the projects that I'm trying to tackle. We're going to build a shop this summer. And then, of course, uh, of course, just, you know, keep plugging away, keep plugging away in the job. Yeah, well, I hope uh, Fairbanks, too, gets their uh, conference up. That would be awesome. Next, uh, this, this, this actually this year is the conference in Fairbanks, I think. Oh, yeah. nice. So, uh, back, so, yeah, I have to, uh, have to reach out to Zach Riddle and say, hey, what's going on? Let me know. And, um, okay, so the last question is, what are three pieces of advice of things for people to do, read, see, seek out? watch movie, whatever it is, what, what does Kevin say? Do this and you'll be better. Uh, wow. <laughs> Edit the, uh, and wow, I'll form it. Will you? <laughs> um, get, get your nose in a book, get your nose in a book, any book, open a periodical, latch yourself onto somebody that you want to be like, um, make them mentor you, make it happen, be their shadow Keep asking the questions why. Uh, if you are in an organization that allows you to get to the National Fire Academy, that has been amazing for my life and my career in the fire service. Everybody in that, in that organization is there for the same cause. And that cause is us. It's, they're not here for the customer. They're there for us. And that's a rarity in this, in this job. Uh, and then get to a conference. Whether it's a virtual conference, whether it's uh, in-person conference that gives you so much renewed enthusiasm for the job. And I'm, I'm happy to say that every time that I've been at a low point in my career, I've made it to a conference and come back with such renewed enthusiasm. And the, the boss just, he couldn't slow me down and I wouldn't let him slow me down. So uh, that, that don't underestimate him. That's what they're for. Therefore, to us to rejuvenate our viewpoints, to learn new things, to share, to rekindle those relationships, uh, get out to those things, get your nose in the books. And let's, let's talk about social media just for a second. If your social media feed has more garbage and trash on it than it does good stuff, take a good hard look at that. You know, uh, iron sharpens iron. And so when you are in these periodicals reading this stuff, you're sharpening yourself. That is sharpening you. When your social media feed has, you know, these amazing articles and, and you can't read them all, you can't read them all. But if you can pull something out of a picture or a five second video clip that you don't ever want to do in your career, or maybe something that you want to strive to do, take a look at your social media feed and see if it is, concurrent with the direction you want to go in the fire service and if it isn't 
reach out. Hey, what are you following? Holy cow, where'd you see that video? That's amazing. Forward me that. And then start adjusting. Get the trash off of these phones. Get the trash off the social media. Stop trolling, guys. People put themselves out there to try and build and better this organization. And with one stroke of these keyboard warriors' pens, we're crushing souls out there. And to the point to where some of these guys, they don't ever want to step up and say anything again on social media because they just get hammered with it. So I, this is, I, I think this is a way that we can build each other up. If, if you are not saying positive stuff or if you're not trying to be um, helpful in any aspect, just keep it quiet. There is a huge difference between criticism and constructive criticism. And if you don't know the difference, please ask somebody and be constructive, be helpful. Uh, I am not great with criticism, but I am amazing with constructive criticism, you know? So, uh, and on a high note, I guess, you know, try and try and build us up because man, we spoke about it briefly before we started recording, but uh, this, this suicide rate with us, we got to do something. We got to stop trolling. We got to stop beating each other down. We got to start building everybody up. Give them a call at the end of the tour. Give them a call if they're calling out sick. Don't call to see if they're out fishing because who can, just call and check on them. Make sure they understand that they're wanted and needed and appreciated. Be the boss that appreciates your guys. So I don't know what else to say. I think this is, you know, there's so much to talk about. Uh, just I'm incredibly appreciative to even have this voice. Well, you did an awesome job, Kevin, and you're doing an awesome job. And I just appreciate you taking the time to be uh, involved. And yes, social media can is a is a wicked beast, but it's also a powerful agent for developing uh, opportunities to share a, a message. So I always tell people, if you're if you're sensitive, you probably shouldn't be in the arena <laughs> you know there's no right, right. there's no there, there there shouldn't be sensitive gladiators out there we sh <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna get your feelings hurt i uh went through some social media hoopla here recently and my wife is just like how does this not bother you and i said well it bothers me but i'm not uh, I, i'm not a a wuss do you think I, I, I would if he's gonna if they're gonna punch me in the face yeah i'll probably bleed but lashing me on the keyboard i don't care i, I, I think we could i think we can be better than this you know I, yeah i think we can and uh you know God, hopefully hopefully gone are the days of opening up a periodical and pointing out the fact that somebody doesn't have their bottom button buckled or something it's just so beyond ridiculous but, but we've replaced <laughs> it we yeah. replaced it with the with the keyboard warriors so yeah and that, i don't know i just say fine. take a second and be kind you know be, be right. a little cooler be a little better yeah so hey, let me record let me record a uh an ending here and then i'll uh we'll get right back on it hold on a second okay Well, thank you very much, Kevin. I appreciate you coming out and uh, being on the podcast. This is Fire Talk Podcast with Kevin Harvey, and this is your host, Michael Snodgrass. Thank you. <laughs>